1: It was an emotional day as Denmark faced Belgium, but Belgium took care of business courtesy of Kevin De Bruyne's magic. And then some, also the Netherlands, two for two in that one. And we look ahead to England and Scotland and some news regarding Tottenham. We have James Bench once again to discuss it all. Euro 2020 and much more. Que lasso begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Go and joining us again, James Benj. I wanted some more James Benj this week and we have him. James, what's up, bud?
2: Oh, I'm good, thanks. Um, For those of us watching on YouTube, I'm drinking my can of (laughs) sparkling low-calorie soft drink. Um, Other products are available, but if uh, Cristiano Ronaldo won't hawk
1: their product, I will. Can I just say, there's a lot of hate on Coke. Like, I, I love, you know, if you don't want to drink, it's fine. You don't need to put it away, right? I mean, it's not like Coke need the, the help, I guess. I mean, hasn't Ronaldo kind of, you know. He's done KFC it? advertising. Yeah. Like, it's really not like, like, get off your high horse, Chris.
2: <laughs> Mate, right? I mean. You know, anytime you do an advert, like Bill Hicks said, you know, you've, you've sold your soul to the devil. It's too
1: late to turn back now, Ronaldo. Exactly. If you're selling uh fried chicken, uh, the, the you know you can you can sell a little bit of Coke. Come on now, come on now, uh, and Heineken as well. Come on. I mean, it's not my Bad favorite here, but you know, like, yeah. I just feel bad for them. I feel bad for the big conglomerates, James Bench. That's what I'm saying.
2: It's been a tough week for the big conglomerates, <laughs> but not Viacom CBS. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Anyway, before we get fired, uh, welcome everybody to Kego Lasso, James Bench, and yours truly, talking some Euro 2020. And uh, we're going to chat about England and Scotland as well and some Tottenham news because Tottenham always. Uh, never really disappoints in terms of a quiet day. Uh, So we have a lot going on there. But let's talk Euro 2020 Thursday's action. Let's begin, James Bench. It was a very emotional day in Copenhagen. Just unbelievable scenes from both sides as Denmark faced Belgium on the 10th minute, which is Christian Eriksen's number for the national team. The game stood still. Everybody stood up, applauded. I mean, It was just remarkable in so many ways. And Denmark started well, but you know, Belgium were Belgium, especially Lukaku and K D B. Talk to me about this game, just your overall thoughts on it. I thought kind
2: of what was really enjoyable about it was that there was a real game there. And that I think, you know, Denmark had spoken before the game about going out and doing something special and still playing to win this tournament. Um, and we'll see, you know, what this means. They'll probably need a quite good result against Russia, but I came away with such admiration for the way this football team played. Utterly fearless, intense, relentless. Um, come come on to talk about Belgium in a minute, I'm sure. But the atmosphere, you know, you were seeing that huge Ericsson shirt that was hur- rolled out onto the pitch before kickoff. Yeah, stopping. I think I believe that, uh, you know, I was looking this up. Basically, Ericsson's hospital bed is the other side of the, the park. Oh my God, that's amazing! I mean, you know, I think he suspects. You know, he may well have been able to see uh, see the stadium, and I'm sure he would have been able to hear that wonderful atmosphere from his um, from his bedroom and, uh, or his, his hospital room. And I'm sh- I, I have to say, I thought, you know, the the, the Danish fans, the Danish players, everyone, m- you know, made the last. You know, they they offered something really positive after what's been such a, a tough few days. An excellent football performance. Joachim Mailer was fantastic. Uh, Damsgaard as well. Those two out wide. I think they probably should have won the game. I thought they were excellent. Um, Brathwaite wasted chances. Courtois had a great game in goal. And you kind of learn that when you're playing the best teams in Europe, whether it's club or international, they're going to punish you if you don't take your chances.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. And, it, you know, it obviously helps when... You have Witzel and De Bruyne and Hazard coming on and, you know, it's it's going to be difficult. FIFA ranks number one team. It's never going to be easy. But to your point, Denmark were outstanding, just regardless of the scoreline, just the heroic performance, everything that they've gone through, to your point, the stadium behind them. And Belgium were very respectful of the moment, to be honest. Uh, I don't even know how you deal with that when you're the opponent. It's like, you know, we need to understand the grandiosity of what's going on. But at the same time, we have a game to play. Uh, and, and that can really be significant. I feel like that's kind of what Roberto Martinez said at halftime. He was like, guys, I understand the occasion. But we, we have to all respect Eriksen and Denmark by doing the best that we can do. And I feel that that's what kind of happened in the second half when Kevin De Bruyne came on and Witzel and Edwin Hazard, and then Lukaku, just, you know, all he needs is just a moment. You know, he, he didn't score today, but just the, the everything that he did was, was amazing. Just Belgium is just such a force, aren't they? Uh, going
2: forward. Yes. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. Fact, good
1: point. Defensively. There's definitely question marks. Yeah. Yeah. Good point.
2: This is, you know, this it is. It is going to be a huge task for whoever they face in the final rounds of this tournament to hold that attack at bay. Lukaku is, uh, you know, he's playing like uh, an even higher grade version of him at his best at Everton, which is always what I think of as, as prime Lukaku. I know he's been phenomenal uh, into Milan, but particularly the way he drifts out wide and then uses that as his angle to kind of build ahead of steam. Wonderful. Uh, not, it wasn't just, you know, we. we when when you see someone kind of hold the ball up with two defenders around him, like he did for that, uh, for De Bruyne's goal, everyone sort of thinks of it as like a power thing. It's, and it is no doubt, but it's also just, you know, the technical excellence to keep that ball and keep moving the, the play where you want it. You know, the, sh- the shooting opportunity is gone. The, you're not going to cross it because you want to be aiming to Lukaku. So you'll keep it moving and you'll cycle it out to Tielemans and then, Phenomenal by De Bruyne, who came back and was playing as well as ever. But you know, as I said, I think for, I, I'm the reason I'm not quite buying Belgium as winners is it was the, the game plan for Denmark was so simple, and there were, I just didn't feel like I could see how Belgium could answer it. You hit the space in in behind the wing backs, and you drag Vatonga and Aldevaro out of position, and then you know what's going to happen because they're old centre backs, and they've got wing backs in Hazard and. Munier, who aren't very good defending. No Castagna back for the rest of the tournament. I just don't see that, that um, Roberto Martinez can fix this. And I think in the end, whether it's Italy, whether it's France, England, there will be a team that has a better balance and has more cutting edge up front that will rip through this defence and win quite convincingly.
1: Yeah, no, good point. It's the same thing that I mentioned about Italy, which is, you know, with all due respect to the previous two opponents, you know, there's going to be tougher competition, and that's really when you're going to be tested. So we will see what happens in the round of 16, but other uh, results as well. Ukraine, uh, you know, 2-1 against North Macedonia, another goal for North Macedonia, pretty good. Andrei Shevchenko, uh, happy with his team. Uh Ukraine's kind of intriguing aren't they? We talked yeah, about Yarmolenko.
2: Yeah, Yarmolenko Yarmolenko's yeah, wonderful for a player that's not getting in the West Ham team. It, it is that fun mix of kind of wide forwards that can that can do a lot and it helps that your Yeren, having quite a good start to the tournament as well. I think a few of the teams we've seen around the Euro so far you are going yeah nice wide forwards. I mean this is almost the thing with Denmark. Yeah, some nice build up. And then no one to put it in the back of the net. If you've got your Mchuk, you've got Yamalenko, who uh, you know we've spoken about, really top quality at, at what he does best. You've got a chance coming around of sixteen, and I think you know looking at the results in the other um, in the other gaming group uh, C, C. What's yep, it, see, Yeah, C. Yeah, Yeah. It's kind of winding down as we speak now. Like they could trounce Austria. Uh, coming on to be Austria are garbage yeah <laughs> i have hated watching every minute of them playing because there are talented players there that aside from about 15 minutes against north macedonia you have done all. I, I don't know if it's the case in the states as well but with the british commentary we have here everyone's just looking at david alaba going why is he so far away from the important why is your best player and yes i know he plays center back for Bayern munich why is he so far away from anywhere that he can impact the game positively (laughs) i am i I initially said at the start of this game austria are going to be the team you forget we're at euro 2020 i'm not sure that's true anymore because i don't think i will ever allow myself to forget how much i hated seeing this team at euro 2020 because i was quite excited for them and they've let me they've let their you know they're not let their country down they've won a game but they've let me down and in many ways that's more important <laughs> so don't
1: fly into vienna i think any day soon i'm not sure if you'll love get- it it's such a nice city <laughs> i know it's a beautiful country as well but yes as uh we are speaking the netherlands beating austria two nothing Frank De Boer, we give a lot of stick. We give him a lot of stick here okay, well, last and rightly so. But two wins out of two. James Bench, no Virgil van Dijk. The lift is getting back into, you know, contention. I mean, there's a lot of talent there. So, you know, but what do you make of the Netherlands?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think we're all going to go down. Frank De Boer could be holding up the European Championships, and we go, <laughs> yeah, but is he the guy? <laughs> um <laughs> So true. This, the system is kind of working fairly nicely. Uh, you know that that front three in particular, been was slightly less attack minded. I thought today than in the game against uh, against Ukraine. And I think there's there's kind of been a little bit of a, a zag back towards. So let us try and be a bit more solid. But he's making really nice late runs into the box. Yeah. Um. The wing backs are great fun. Uh, Denzel Dumfries is everything you would hope for from a man. Um, Beckhorst <laughs> is, he, he is, I, my, my thing every time, particularly with relation to England, but whenever you kind of, I, I'm talking in the build up to tournaments, I'm always like, just give yourself a tall striker because it's international football. You don't have a lot of time on the training pitch. And if, if every once in a while, you've got someone that you can knock the ball long to, who can take it down, find a teammate, um, that will be really helpful. And he's he's so unselfish. There was a moment. It was, re- I, again, I d- it was really interesting. Gary Lineker was talking about this in, in commentary. Ball over the top to Cost, Chests it down and looks for the pass across to Depay.
1: Who misses he's, it, skives it, it, yeah. Skives
2: it. And he was sort of saying, you know, you're doubling your chances there for something to go wrong because you've got to get the pass right and the pass wasn't great and you've got to get the shot right as opposed to just getting the shot right. I can see why he... You know, it, it was a really hard shot to take. I think he had a defender quite near him. But I think that in many ways, I really like the fact that Veghorst kind of goes, No, I think I can try and get it to you know, if the pass was slightly lower for Depay, that's a goal, a really easy opportunity, as opposed to hitting it on in on the volley across the far post. I like that that bond between those two.
1: Yeah, because you know what? A lot of other strikers would just they'd have just taken the shot. Like they wouldn't even looked on the left side. So yeah, test and listen a testament to like how far Peter Crouch's career went. You know, I mean, not to say that it was just about his height, but you know, he offers something that many other teams can't do. So yeah, it's a good point. Listen, it it's a very balanced Netherlands side, and I don't. Again, I know everybody. If you if if you're Dutch and you you're enjoying Frank de I know, but he does have a lot of talent in this squad, and it would be very you know shocking to me that he doesn't get a win against this Austrian side, which uh, to James's point have been pitiful. And even Ukraine, to be honest, uh, who, by the way, made it an interesting game with a 3-2 win. So, you know, time will tell to see what happens uh, later on, but two out of two, not bad. Can you see them going further than round the 16? Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. I, You know, they've got, they've got a great
2: midfielder, got a defense that can... I, I, yeah, Frankie de Jong...
1: He's uh, this is great. great. Not the, turning, uh, but yeah, yeah. No, he's everywhere as well for the for the for the Netherlands as well. He's not just uh, covering one side. It's amazing. But anyway, uh, the game's wrapping up two nothing to the Netherlands, and that that is that for Thursday's action. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk to Benjamin a little bit about Friday, including of course England against Scotland uh, and also some uh, Tottenham news because there's always Tottenham news.
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to Que Go Lasso. James Bench here. Bench, before we talk about Friday and the big one, England against Scotland. Euro 96 vibes, of course. Uh, let's talk about Tottenham for a second. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just all crumbling down. Fonseca was meant to be there, it's, it, the talks went off and then Gatuso apparently, what's going on? Tell me, talk to me. You ask, um, <laughs> sort of in, some of the
2: indications from Italy are that the uh, the, sort of, the signs within London uh, in terms of the financial side of Fonseca is that that wasn't, it wasn't an issue for them. In Italy that, that, that it's being said that it's something to do with uh, his tax status. His okay. own personal tax status in Rome, um, which also I think comes down to the fact that he has a university degree. Mm. Again, this only these sort of things only happen to Tottenham. So ultimately, this deal has sort of fallen apart, but that's not too disappointing for Paratici, uh, the sporting director who arrived uh, a few weeks ago, kind of as part of a, plea, a, a ploy to get Antonio Conte. That didn't work. Him, Pochettino, Ten Hag. Um,
1: he didn't want Fonseca. Guy?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think in the end he well, he really wanted Gattuso and this o- opportunity has kind of all broken today with Gattuso leaving Fiorentina who didn't want anything to do with his agent George Mendez.
1: Understandable.
2: And he is now it seems and I think we have to kind of caveat this because we've had two, you know, what seemed to be certain to, or strong possibilities with Fonseca that we thought was certain, uh, Conte, we thought that was going to happen and even pochettino there was a moment where you thought they're going to pull this off here so i'm not saying anything until it's done but now it appears that Reno gattuso is coming in i think we maybe outside of Serie A, the, the view is he's he's kind of a motivational hard man guy and i think if you look at his milan team and his napoli team there's there's more to it than meets the eye and yeah
1: i, I think, think we was. have a lot of connections more to him as a player than a manager outside mm. of italy i think that's what's going on right
2: and they've been more. They've been relatively successful given their, you know, their ability. I know yeah. Napoli, uh, you know, kind of fell short in the Champions League for this season and and in the Europa League. But they're not quite the team they were under Sarri. I think he's done well there. He will yeah. do reasonably well. It's going to be a crash course for him in the Premier League, and he's going to be doing it probably quite possibly without his best player in Harry Kane. Um, gonna be trying circumstances and it is interesting that they are appointing a manager who has j- just left Fiorentina because of this, these issues with his agent. I think that's it's safe to say it's interesting. Maybe any more than that might not be safe to say.
1: What does this mean for Harry Kane, do you think? I mean it's I hard don't... to predict the future, but you know, there's inconsistency and the inability to gain any kind of balance stability in the club can't be good for their main star
2: yeah i think that tottenham will always hope they can change his mind but everything that has happened throughout their attempts to appoint a manager which we have to remember goes back to a long time before the efl cup final you know this goes back to april it all points to um an organization that just isn't really on top of things and that isn't going places and that isn't the place you want to stay if you're approaching 27 28 and you want to win trophies in the end, does this really kind of change the whole negotiating landscape? No, it probably still doesn't mean that, you know, it it doesn't mean that Kane would go on strike, which I think is always the, the way you leave, you really leverage this situation. We still, no one believes that 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 would happen with Kane, but it just may, if you were hoping, if you were a Tottenham fan or you were Daniel leaving, you were hoping against all hope he come back from the successful euros and go you know i want to do i want to win trophies with tottenham yeah he's going to be looking at this and going i want to but i can't i just can't
1: yeah it's just it's very tricky to try and figure anything out obviously the focus is on england and the european championship but this is still a story yet to be finished this summer i believe and we will see anyway speaking of england let's wrap up here for friday's action Of course, uh, Croatia play the Czech Republic. Actually, before that, even as well, Sweden, I believe, face Slovakia at 9 a.m. Eastern. Croatia, Czech Republic at 12 p.m. Eastern. 3 p.m. Eastern evening in Europe. England against Scotland. Give me the latest here, especially on the lineup for England, James Bench.
2: Uh, At the the moment, we're still kind of waiting for indications there are a few rumors that have flown around this week that Marcus Rashford might come into the team Uh, an interesting one considering that the Scotland team is going to defend really deep so maybe there's a, more of an argument for playing two creators bit of debate around Harry Kane Um, certainly not one that Gareth Southgate is getting involved in in terms of him not scoring I think there are a few maybe England viewers who were quite surprised to see basically how Harry Kane plays now, dropping deep, and making late runs into the box. I think that will work, but it didn't quite, didn't quite work against Croatia. So, I mean, they're the, the, the key selection dilemmas. The other thing to make you aware of, Harry Maguire, Gareth Southgate said in his press conference, is available for selection. We'll see what that means.
1: I'd be surprised if he starts. Um, Which Maguire spot- c- called himself fit first, right? He yeah. was like, hey, everybody, I'm good to go. First he said it, and then England like, all right, you're fit. Okay.
2: Yeah. And so Southgate sort of said, yeah, available. He didn't so say. So I imagine like Tyron
1: Mings out of that. I think
2: that Mings was good enough that I wouldn't risk Maguire's fitness. And I think let's, right. let's keep him for game three. Um, the big one for me is Kieran Tierney being back for Scotland. That changes a lot. Yes, anyway. it does. He he is very comfortable in that left uh, left side of a back three role. Um, allows Robertson to really bomb onto the byline because Tierney will be backing up and delivering those wonderful crosses he does. Um, there are other questions for Scotland. Does Billy Gilmore come in in central midfield, give a bit more creativity, a bit more forward-looking? And Lyndon Dykes was not great, missed a lot of good chances. So maybe you bring in Che Adams, who kicks the football incredibly hard
1: always <laughs> oh, just smashes it off his boot um i knows this england setup very well of course playing for southampton uh you know and he, he, he's he's a good poacher too like yeah it, it, this is going to be intriguing now i'm going to ask you bench uh you know you mentioned to create do you see the same you know if rashford comes in which again i agree that would be intriguing but Phil Foden stays in this lineup, I guess. I mean, Raheem Sterling did score the winner against Croatia. Are we seeing Jack Grealish on the bench one more time? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I I
2: I know. Just what I you know, said, right?
1: Yeah.
2: I yeah, I know you would be de- devastated, I know a lot of England fans would be devastated.
1: It
2: it is hard to kind of really the th- the thing with Grealish is he is by far and away the best player on his very good team. Everyone else in this England squad is not the best player, but they're a elite player on an elite team. And so I don't, I still just don't know what level Grealish is at. And yes, he plays really well for England. But I think in the end, if given a straight choice between him and Phil Foden, which is what the choice is going to come down to nine times out of 10, you have to pick Phil Foden. He is, you know, a key cog in in spite of the result of the Champions League final, the best team in
1: Europe. I hope Grealish comes on. I, I think the thing with Which he is- might, you know, a, a, a more tired Scotland who were depending more on the counter, be physical, be stoic at the back, that the the you know the more the minutes go on, the more you would expect, okay, then Southgate thinks, let me bring somebody that likes to hold the ball, likes to conduct mm. a free row and then causes even more of a nightmare. So I can see that. And to your point about Phil Foden, here's the thing, like, Phil Foden fits that Gareth Southgate system better than a Jack Grealish one in many ways because he Phil Foden penetrates a box without the ball. He doesn't need it like Grealish needs that ball. He needs to direct mm. play, and sometimes that can be a tricky situation in international play. So it would be very interesting. But then again, that's the point about Marcus Rashford too, right? He he he's looking for that through in the counter. So I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering what he's really thinking on that other side.
2: I, I I mean, it may well not be. Rashford, I think with Grealish, I think we have to be quite honest about how. So this is not Aston Villa. Aside from Aston Villa fans, I think a lot of England fans view him as the nearest approximation, at least with the exception of Wayne Rooney, that England have had to Paul Gascoigne. Yeah, and, no, one hundred percent. You know, we can we can talk about ninety six briefly, but uh, th- there is no player I think in again, you know, recent English footballing history who is as beloved as Gascoigne for his flaws. And, you know, it's worth pointing out, Jack Grealish is not above those floors. Um,
1: no, he's not. Hey, listen, I, I grew up during that time uh, in England when in the Gaza years, and it's 100% correct. It's it's exactly the same kind of mirror here. Uh, and, you know, it's it's it, this is a different manager, it's a different era and different tactics. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, a win for England against Croatia and looking for 2-0 against Scotland. The only worry for me is that Scotland is going to try and frustrate. So if you're looking to have players that like a Rashford that plays better off the ball, that, that could be tricky because, you know, it's going to be, I just, I just know this, it doesn't matter who Scotland plays. They're going to play much better when they face England. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the best Scotland side you're going to see. So, you know, I mean, I imagine Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice in the middle as well. Right. And then, you know, um, everything else pointing towards uh, you know that that front trio with Harry Kane leading up top. And the right side is interesting. The right back side. Did we talk about that. I mean, you know, Carl Walker didn't have his best day.
2: Pace, though, isn't it? I think he, he yeah, will always true. get the nod for for that for that pace. I, I just the only other thing to pick up on because you know maybe for American listeners, they're not as familiar with this. That it's not so much the England Scotland rivalry as the Scotland England rivalry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, you, you, I th- th- there are loads and loads of English fans who wish Scotland well, and I'm sure there are many Scotland fans who wish England well. Mm, I haven't met many of them, though. There is a... This is, I don't think I've met any, but yeah. Th- th- there is a real sort of simmering... I mean, you know, no, no one likes the English anyway, but I think this is a true, true international derby grudge match. You know, this is... It's not. It's Celtics Lakers. It's a. Uh, it's a proper. Proper proper grudge match. Yeah. Not that, not that there's not friendliness to the relationship between English people and Scottish people, but that this is about how Scotland views itself. Watch if Scotland win. Watch what happens to the Scottish National Party and you know belief in Scottish independence. Things like that. Yeah. The, the whole country. You know, the whole of the United Kingdom is about to come to a standstill.
1: No, if Scotland win, it, it's as if they made it to the final. Like, it's, it's that big. If not, maybe winning. It's, it's that big. It's, it's, a, it's a very big game, which is why we wanted to talk about it uh, with so much depth. Uh, do I dare ask you a prediction?
2: Yes, I think that Scotland will take at least a point. Uh, wow. I would be inclined to say a 2-2 two, two, two draw. Wow. That would be huge. I think I've written, a given a different prediction in my written, which I'm now going to have to go back and change. <laughs> what did you give in that? I think then you kind of just think, well, England are much better. They're going to win, but it's just
1: this. It's just something about a game like this. It doesn't, mm. you know, it's kind of like when you talk about a Derby, like it, it, almost previous statistics and analytics kind of go out the window in many ways, because there's so much at stake. Um, I think the Wembley crowd might be a factor. If this was in Glasgow, I would venture to you know Cheers. say yeah it, well, i mean that would be incredible but regardless this will be a fantastic game 3 p.m eastern on friday james bench always a pleasure uh, we're not going to talk to you till next week is there any game this weekend that you're looking forward to aside from that one i know that portugal's playing germany spain poland hungary france anything that appeals to you
2: yeah, I'm kind of kind of hyped for um, Spain, Poland. I have. I'm starting to wonder if Spain might. I mean, you know, we'll probably get out because this, you know, this stupid group stage that it takes forever to get rid of eight out of twenty-four teams. But I think I think things might be getting a bit difficult for Spain as well as they played and they did play quite well against Sweden. I think
1: also the most you know, passes ever in a Euro game or
2: something. The most passive ball i I say i'm looking forward to it god i'll be bored 10 minutes in
1: when <laughs> spain have not passed the ball into the box yet well i mean jimmy and i talked about it moreno has to start i really hope he starts and uh, Morata on the bench but we'll see what happens i'm excited for that one too um uh, but anyway it's been a pleasure james bench bench will be back next week don't forget to read his content on cbs sports and also make sure that you follow him on twitter james bench bench thanks so much brother thanks my pleasure Hey, everybody. I want to thank James Bench for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. Please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please follow us there. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube.com, forward slash Kegolaso, CBSports.com, and your CBS Sports app. we got plenty more to come. After this episode, we have a huge weekend preview full of betting tips with Jimmy Conrad and much, much more content. We will see you next time.